A new report from the UN Development Programme is warning 50% of the world's poorest countries need debt relief now to avert a major systemic development crisis. Released on Tuesday, the UNDP report, avoiding too little too late on international debt relief, highlights the ripple effects of government responses to the recent economic crisis and warns of the potential impacts. Joining me from New York was the author of this report, UNDP economist Lars Jensen. Kiran, welcome on Pacific Waves. Lars, what were some of the main findings? So we have found in our in our uh, um, newly published uh, paper on the debt crisis that 54 developing economies are dealing with severe debt problems. Uh, we have the biggest uh, sub- geographical subgroup is Sub-Saharan Africa with 24 countries, followed by Latin America and the Caribbean, 10 countries, and then East Asia and Pacific with uh, eight countries. Um, and taken together, we find that these countries, they account for a little more than 3% of the global economy. They account for about 18% of the global population, but more than 50% of the um, of, of people living in extreme poverty. And we also find that there's a high correlation between being climate vulnerable and being debt vulnerable. For instance, if we look at the 54 countries we identified as debt, the most debt vulnerable, they contain 28 of the world's top 50 most climate vulnerable countries. Uh, so these are some of the main the main findings of the report. And the overall conclusion is that we had an unfolding debt crisis, uh, a debt crisis building up even before COVID delivered a major shock to debt across the world. And now many of these countries are also dealing with the cost of living crisis from high energy and food prices. Um, So it's a really bad situation. A lot of developing economies are being hit from uh, many different sides, from rapidly rising interest rates, from a strong dollar, from uh, falling export earnings and capital outflows. So they are taking a a lot of hits while they were already in a vulnerable position. And that's why we, in our report, we call for um, a refocusing on on debt relief for developing economies to focus more on comprehensive restructuring so that we can deal with the debt crisis and avoid um, repeating historical mistakes of providing too little debt relief too late. Now, most of our listeners for this program are in the Pacific. For for small island developing states, what are some specific uh, concerns uh, that emerge from this re- report? So, in general, when we when uh, we look at a lot of the small island developing states, the SITs, um, many of them actually they have relatively low overall debt to GDP ratios, meaning that. They are not necessarily facing any uh, sort of sort of solvency problem, or their debt is not necessarily considered uh, unsustainable in the medium to long term. But many of them are facing um, immediate or near term stress, especially because of their high uh, food and energy import dependence. So you have very high, very elevated food and energy prices, and that is uh, putting a lot of pressure on their balance payments on their current accounts and they are forced to um, pay these large import bills uh, by borrowing money in uh, under conditions that are where uh, in a situation where the funding conditions are 
have tightened uh, very strongly. So that that's uh, that's in, if you look across sits, that's a general that's the, sort of the general problem for the the call that you've made for the for the for the solutions. If um, at the risk of getting us into really technical territory, what what are some of the specific solutions to the challenges faced by SIDS in particular? So in, I would say in general, on, in the paper, we're calling for countries to, to for the international community to step up debt relief and to do it uh, within the common framework, the G20 common framework. And we're calling for a refocusing on debt relief from um, predominantly uh, rescheduling of payments and liquidity support to also contain write-offs and haircuts for countries that need it but whether or not which countries would need it in terms of uh, a, a, as opposed to just liquidity support will often be determined but but by what is called the debt sustainability analysis performed by the IMF or the World Bank or jointly by the IMF and the World Bank and as I mentioned before a lot of SIDs do not necessarily have solvency problems some do Many don't. They have more uh, issues of liquidity problems. And then they also have issues uh, of often being faced with these um, external shocks, shocks coming externally to their economies. So that can, for instance, be when we see these large jumps or large volatility in commodity prices, such as food and energy. It can also be shocks coming from a, an intensifying climate crisis. Uh, extreme weather events, hurricanes, floodings, and so forth. So one of the things that we also call for in this new um, new way of dealing with debt relief is the use of what we call state contingent clauses um, under, under new and restructured debt. So that means, for instance, you put in hur- hurricane clauses in your debt so that you automatically get debt service suspension if a hurricane hits or if there's a flooding or, and you can, you can imagine many different ways of doing state contingent debt. It could also be um, the trigger of when you're, you are um, suspending payments or not could also be tied to, for instance, key commodity prices or other economic indicators that are closely linked to the country's ability to repay creditors. So that's something that would help a lot of countries and maybe especially SITs to manage their debt better and manage these economic shocks coming from climate change, which we know will only intensify in the in the future. Um, there is an element of time here. You, you're saying the urgency to make sure that it's not too little too late in terms of debt relief. How urgent is this? What's the urgency and what, any timelines that you are proposing that these um, activities and things be done by? I think we're already... Uh, I think we're already late on it. I mean, we've seen that this debt has been building up across developing economies for a long time, even before COVID. We have seen how uh, country, more and more countries are rated in these DSAs as being in high or uh, in medium high and in debt distress. We have seen how rating uh, ratings, credit ratings have been falling and falling. We have seen how interest rates now have been rising very fast. So I think we're already uh, we're already late here, and really I think when we look at history, what we have learned is that the a debt crisis uh, of this magnitude is only really resolved when the focus of resolution changes from 
continued liquidity support and rescheduling rescheduling of loans to also include write-offs or haircuts, like we saw with, the, for instance, the Brady Plan in the 1980s, or as we saw with HIPIC in the in the 90s and zeros. Um, and what we are exploring now, or uh, there seems to be, um, a lot of people are pushing the idea that we should have sort of a, a debt for climate uh, initiative. So the countries are forgiven uh, or a large portion of their debt is written down in return for promises on uh, climate object, reaching climate objectives, such as investments in climate ad adaptation, for instance. Um, but unfortunately, there seems to be very little political will to go this route. That's sort of the deadlock we're in. If, if there's no political will, from, especially from the official sector, which has, which, which has to be the first mover on these things, then it, it's very hard to get such a grand, you know, debt for climate deal uh, going. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lars. Thank you so much. Your time. Uh, no thank problem. you for speaking to me so late. <laughs> no problem. Take sure. care. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye.